morning. We are grateful to have his word, uh, to be able to take some time to just uh, look and see what he desires to say to us. If you brought your Bibles, would you open them up? Uh, grab them. Uh, and f- like I mentioned earlier, uh, I seem to have misplaced mine here today. So if any of you can check under your seats or whatever, if you're watching online, check your bookshelves, check the, you know, if you're listening in the car, check the glove compartment. You might find yours, you know, but uh, if anybody finds mine, let me know. But otherwise, we're going to use what's on the screen and uh, grateful for technology on days like today. But uh, why do we, the, the, we're, our mission is to help people find Christ and to find community to uh, be in pursuit of him and do that with other people. Uh, it's one of the things that, you know, even this morning, maybe you came today and you, you know, it wasn't really forefront in your mind, like, I want to know God, I want to know God. But as you got here and you started hearing the songs and you started seeing, it's like, yes, you know what, I want to know him. And that's what we're talking about. We're in a new series, uh, just as talking about knowing God for yourself. Knowing God for yourself. And so if, you, if there's some papers hopefully still in front of you there, if you brought your own notepad, I'd encourage you to take some notes, grab the pens in front of you, jot down some of the thoughts of what he, what he drops in your heart. And we've uh, talked over the last couple of weeks that God reveals himself in different ways through creation. I don't know if you drove on the way here and just took a look at everything around you. Like that doesn't happen by accident. His fingerprints are on everything around us. And uh, it reveals that there is a God. And for most, it was like, well, there is a God, but he's unknown. And so we know that he sent Jesus to reveal the heart of the Father, to reveal who God is, uh, that, that we as humans might see, even in our own, in our own way, some, some small way that we could understand who God is. And that's what we've been looking at the, the Gospel of John, seeing how Jesus reveals who God is. And we see that he said things like, he's light. He said, I am light. Light that uh, illuminates, brings truth on the inside. Light that lightens the burden. Last week we looked at that, uh, that thought that he is holy. Man, I, my, my prayer of this whole series, I think, is that that one doesn't get lost. Because if we'll approach him with appropriate respect, if we'll approach him with appropriate openness, he's got free reign to do whatever he desires. And that is something so, so important. So we're looking at who Jesus reveals God to be. So if you have your uh, Bibles, go to John chapter 6. Slowly making our way through John chapter 6. The story that, uh, the account that we're going to look at today happens right after a really famous one. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And that, like, if you went to kids' church, that's one of the ones you know from kids' church. That's like, that's a big deal story. And uh, right after that, Jesus, he sends the disciples across the lake, and there's another big deal story where, where the disciples go across and it's really tumultuous and they're terrified, we're going to die. And then Jesus walks on the water and then Peter walks on the water. It's like this, this big, big, uh, big deal. And uh, they, they get to the other side. And so this next part of the story, it's, this, this one doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, but we're going to look at it today. So John 6, verse 22. The very next day, the crowd that has stayed on the far shore, so these are the guys who ate, the, uh, they were part of the 5,000, They saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus hadn't gone with them. So then several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. And when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got in the boats, and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. And if you read this in like the originally, he's like, I solemnly declare to you. He says, I solemnly declare that you want to be with me because I fed you. He's basically like, I'm telling you guys the truth. You're just here for the food. You just came back because you want to see if we're having burgers today. He says, you came because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign 
Verse 27, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy instead seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And the Son of Man is a reference to himself. He's like, spend your energy seeking eternal life. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, oh, we want to perform God's works too. So what should we do? Verse 29, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. Can you picture it a little bit? Here are these guys, and maybe if we saw it today, you know, gathering around Jesus, he's just done these amazing things, and they come up and they say to him, Jesus, Jesus, you know, we, we want to do what you can do. We, that, that looks like super cool. Like my Instagram would blow up if I could like make bread feed like even a hundred people. Can you teach us to do what you're doing? And what I recognize and see in this, even back then, they had a little bit of selfie stick Christianity. Where it's like, you know, that walking around the Bible, it's like on the selfie stick, it's, it's like aimed at them. Everything is about them. They're reading themselves into every part of the scripture. The scripture's about what's it going to do for me? And maybe that's how you're sitting here today. And I hope this is a good sermon for me. I hope this makes me feel, you know, warm and fuzzy. You know, last week didn't, but maybe this week will. You know, what's <laughs> those thoughts of what's it going to do for me? Or what do I have to do so I can do what you do and become famous like you? You know, you see, you don't even have to look far to see like online preachers in different places where it's, it's all about the show and it's all about this, you know, we're doing these miraculous things and the focus is all on that person. I don't negate the fact that miracles happen today, but I do think that the glory gets misplaced and as soon as it does, he doesn't share it with anybody else and it disappears. He doesn't, he, he, he wants that genuine connection, the realness I mean, we're all pretty aware that the selfie stick world we live in isn't real. That what people show on their Instagram feeds, it's not real. My son uh, got this app called Be Real. Uh, and it's like this thing where like, when you're taking a picture of something, uh, he asked me to help him set it up. So you're taking a picture of something. Which, what I didn't realize, it takes a picture on both sides of the camera at the same time. So it can show, you know, you think this is what's so awesome, but it takes a picture of your face. So I'm like sitting there at night, it's like 11 o'clock, I'm like, take a picture of this cool chessboard, because I'm concentrating like crazy, you know, the other picture I look at it, when it all of a sudden pops up, there's the chessboard and there's me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I can't post this. But that was what was real. You know, I think there's inside of us, there's this desire for what's real, and we too often just settle for what isn't. And that's what Jesus is saying to these guys. He's like, you guys want this? Like, we're going to do the works. We, what, what, what can we do? What can we do? And he's like, no, no, no. That's not the real. You're missing the point. You're searching for all this food when what you need is, is me. And he says that to them. This is the only work that God wants you to do. The only thing he wants you to do is believe, trust in the one he sent. Get to know me. Trust in me. Don't follow me because I fed you. Follow me for something greater. And so then he begins to have this back and forth discussion with them. And then uh, he begins to explain to them that he's the bread of life. He's like, I'm the, I'm the bread you need. Like, yeah, well, we want, we want your provision. We want more bread, bread. We don't want this bread of life, bread. That is, and he's like, no, you don't understand. Bread, bread, you have for a while and then you die. This bread, the bread of life, me, you live eternally. And they're like, okay, well, well how do, he's like, he says, seriously, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you, you know, you're, you're, um, you're not going to, uh, uh, well, you're going to die in your sin is what he says. And you're like, man, like, that sounds a little weird. And some of you are sitting here this morning like, they talk a lot about blood in this place. They're singing about the blood and, you know, like they're talking about Jesus eating blood and drinking blood. It's like, this is a little strange. Well, they thought the same thing. They thought this is a little strange. 
And what Jesus meant was saying, I'm not, don't physically, we're not like into cannibalism here. He's like, that's not what we're talking about. He says, but if you don't realize that what I did on the cross, that, that, that my body is broken for you, that it's my blood, that you trust in that blood, it takes the place of yours. And they just couldn't get it. They were so focused on what he could do for them that they missed out. And I wonder if we find ourselves tempted in that way sometimes as well. You can read it at home, but if you skip all the way to verse 66, Jesus, uh, or sorry, John declares it this way. He says, at this point, after all of this, we don't understand, we don't understand. He says, at this point, many of his, and what's that word? Disciples. Like, not just a crowd, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And, and, you know, we always talk about making disciples here. People are like, man, we're going to follow Jesus. But what happens when in your following of Christ, things are a little bit, mm, I don't understand fully. This is a little complicated. This doesn't make me feel good. Do we not find ourselves in that same spot of saying, oh, maybe I'm checking out. I'm checking out. I don't know. I don't want to follow. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus lets them go. He doesn't run after them. He's like, no, 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 wait, okay. For you guys, you don't have to do the, you know, the flesh and blood thing. You guys can do bread and water. We'll, I'll make you another burger. Just, just keep following me. No. He lets them go. Why? Because they wanted to do the works of the Father. They wanted to do the works. But he knows you can't do the works of the Father. You can't do what I'm telling you to do unless you know me. Those things go hand in hand. You have no ability to do anything for God without knowing God. Same for us today. No ability to do anything for God without knowing him. So I want to take a look at a contrasting account, and it's the, the conversion of Paul. So if you are, are in Matthew, or sorry, John, go a little further to the right. You're going to come to Acts. And in Acts chapter 22, Paul shares three accounts of his conversion, of how he becomes a follower of Christ in Acts 22, he's in front of a whole bunch of Jewish, uh, Jewish crowd. They're angry at him because he's a follower of Christ now. And, and they're just, they, they think he's like, he's uh, a, a total heretic and they want him dead. And he's trying to explain to them. He's like, fellas, I'm one of you. Like I was raised in the Jewish culture and custom. I, I like did my best. I was one of the, the keenest. I studied under the greatest teachers in Judaism. He's like, I'm, I'm one of you. And he says this in verse 4, he says, I even persecuted the followers of the way. That was what they called the Jesus followers back then, followers of the way. I hounded some of them to death. I arrested both men, women, I threw them in prison. And the high priest and the whole council of elders who would have been there, he's like, they can testify that so, because I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. He's like, Fellas, like these guys all can attest to what happened here and who I was and what I was on my way to do. I was trying to do what you're doing right now, and something happened. He says in verse 7 or verse 6, he says, As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul. Remember what we said last week? There's no bold. When there's two, it's like, Saul! Those who woke up, welcome back. <laughs> Saul, why are you persecuting me? And here's his response. He says in verse 8, Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you're persecuting. And the people with me, he says, saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. And verse 10, I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up. Go into Damascus, and there you'll be told everything that you are to do. 
you know, when you read this, you just see a couple of thoughts. You know, there's a beautiful picture of the gospel at work. See, here's, like, here's what it really looks like. Saul's a bad dude. This guy, he's out. He, he might look really religious on the outside. He goes to church all the time. He's real polished, but inside, he's dark, dark, dark. He hates other people. He hates Christians specifically, chasing them down, arresting them, killing them. And, you know, for those who are like thinking, man, Paul is a terrible person. There's going to be more people like that in our culture. As we continue on, you're going to see more people who hate Christians. I'm telling you, it's coming. And maybe you're like, the response is like, yeah, well, ugh, I don't like them back. But man, look at what God did to Paul. There's hope for people who hate said this, that the light shone around him, and Jesus, I am the light of the world, shines down around Paul. And his life is changed in that moment. As we read the rest of Acts, we see a forgiven man, a changed man, and a changing man. It didn't all happen at once, but this progression continues to happen in the life of Paul. But the thing I want to draw our attention today is this, and it's the title of today's message, Two Questions. Two Questions. Paul asked two questions in this encounter. And it's not the main point of this scripture. It's not really what like, Paul's drawing all the attention to. He's drawing it to Christ. But you'll see throughout scripture this pattern of two questions, two thoughts. And here's our, here are the questions. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? In contrast with those other people who came and followed Jesus in John 6, they're like, what do you want? What, we want to do the works that you do. What do you want us to do for you? And what we find with these two questions, who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? It's not either or. Not either or. Many people will ask one or the other. And they often start with this one. And I hear it all the time. What does God want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? I've been praying. God, what do you want me to do? And maybe you fill in the blanks and think, oh, I keep the Ten Commandments. I'm pretty sure that's what he wants me to do. Or evangelize. I heard it. You know, go and make disciples. And and you're like, okay, uh, that's what he wants me to do. So I'm going to go do it. But what do we learn from the first thought is that Jesus let those people go. He said, they have no ability to do that without knowing me. Don't we see that to be true? There's no ability to keep the Ten Commandments without knowing him. That's what he does. He changes our hearts so it lived from the inside out rather than from the outside. And there's a guy named Tozer. A.W. Tozer talks about this type of evangelism where it's, he says, this type of evangelism where it's like, you feel like this is what I got to do for you, God. He's like, it's ineffective, but it's also dangerous. He says, he described it like a, um, like a, I I guess people going to a course for the how-tos of evangelism, or they feel guilted into going into all the world, but they don't actually know Christ for themselves. They want to go do his works, but they don't know him. And he, he, uh, he tells a story of, of people, a guy going to sell, ball, or sell fountain pens versus ballpoint pens. And I was like, is anybody gonna, here going to know what a fountain pen is? A few, maybe? Sort of, yeah. So I was like, maybe he should have or could have said, how about trying a guy trying to sell red tractors when he doesn't actually believe they're better than green tractors? Dangerous. Dangerous, I hear you, Sorry. But going out to try and sell something, you don't actually believe it. He's like, yeah, I think you should follow Christ. Why? Because I think you should. (laughs) Well, well, how can we call people to follow Christ with any kind of conviction if we haven't followed him with our whole lives? How can we encourage people to know Christ for themselves if we don't actually seek to know him for ourselves? There's a serious disconnect. And he said this, could the church be struggling to reach the lost as a result of that? And that was like 40 years ago when he wrote it. 
I see the same thing today. It's the exact same thing. The church isn't going to reach people for Christ unless they know Christ for themselves. Why is it so important in the series that we would know God for ourselves? It isn't so I have something to talk about. It's that, man, as we know him for ourselves, something happens. And that's that question. If we only say, God, what do you want me to do? We miss it. The second question is this. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord, really? That's Paul's first question. And, you know, we know that when we ask that, we know he's revealed through creation, through prayer, through the word, through silence, through solitude. We get to know who he really is. He's holy. He's good. He's just. He's love. We get to understand not just those in terms in our mind, but experientially who he is. And we realize it's not about me. It is about him. I want to know you. You know what happens when you begin to know him? You can't help but do what he says. As you get to know him, you feel prompted to do. It's what happens over and over through scripture. Remember Moses? Moses is like, he gets to the bush and God's like, this is who I am, Moses. He's like, oh, and this is what I want you to do. To the people of Israel in Exodus 20, he's like, I'm the Lord your God who led you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. And now here's what I want you to do. And he gives them the Ten Commandments at that point and a bunch of other things. We see it um, over and over throughout scripture. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. We see it with the woman at the well, even. We talked about her a couple weeks ago. She comes to meet Jesus, and, uh, you know, the disciples come back, and they see that they are, they're finishing up their conversation, and, and Jesus says to them, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior you guys have been waiting for. And she's like, woohoo! Leaves the bucket and runs straight back to town, like, listen, we found him, we found him. Uh, he's the Messiah, and he's right there at the well. Our Savior's come. Come, come, come on, come on, come and see. And you know what the disciples and Jesus, they, they don't do? They're, they're not like, whoa, 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 stop that lady. I don't think she knows the doctrine of the Trinity or justification by faith. Like, we need to, hold on, we need to educate you in the rest of the stuff before you go. They're like, where'd she go? I'm like, whoa, look, here she comes back. What happened? She's just like, man, I met Jesus. I, I got to tell somebody. When you read about it, you're like, man, that's like exciting. That, like, there's something about that. But what if it was not meant to just be exciting to read about? What if it was meant to be exciting to live? What if that's why it's in there is that let me prompt and stir something in, in the heart of the reader that this is what it looks like when a person follows Jesus. You know, in our men's group, we recently started doing this Bible plan called Dangerous Prayers. And I'm pretty convinced that they just put that in there so that they could get men to read it. Because you put dangerous in front of anything, men are like, I'm in. <laughs> Women, you want them to go shopping? Hey, you want to go shopping with us? No, I'm going dangerous shopping. To, I'm in. Men's breakfast, mm, men's dangerous breakfast. Oh, man, I got to go see. What are we eating, right? I got dangerous. They're talking about these prayers, but you know, these are dangerous prayers. And I dare you to pray them. Who are you, Lord, really? And what do you want me to do? Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? It's, it makes no difference if we know what's in the word, if it doesn't actually affect our lives. There's, there's no point to it. And so some of you are like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm tracking I'm, I'm something stirred up in me. Okay, so what do, what do I do? Like, how do we start? Like, which one do I do first? Do I say, who are you, Lord? Or do I, like, what do you want me to do, Lord? It doesn't matter which one you do because it's not an order, but it's a cycle. One thing continuously leads to the other. When, when the people ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want us to do? We want to do the works that you're doing. What does he say? Yeah, I want you to know me. It'll lead to that. And when you pray, God, I want to know you. Like, Paul, what, who are you, Lord? He's going to be like, hey, now this is what I want you to do. It's this pattern that you, as you keep on knowing, you keep on doing. And as you keep on knowing, it leads you to keep on doing, keep on knowing, keep on doing. It's the pattern we see throughout Scripture. We see it in the pattern in the life of Jesus. 
You know, as you read about Jesus, you just can't help but see. He went off to a time of prayer. Fed 5,000 people. He's like, I'm doing what the Father tells me to do. Now I'm going to go in prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do? He's like, okay, we're going to go walk across the water. So he goes and walks across the water. And it's like he goes back and forth between these things. God, I just want to know what you want me to do. And, and that's how he lives his life. When he's like going and doing stuff, he just simply says, listen, I'm, I'm only telling you what I hear the Father say. I'm only doing what I see him doing. I'm not trying to do anything else. I'm just like, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'm going to do that. And no wonder he says his burden's light. What an easy way to live in the sense of some of those things will be difficult, but you know he's in it. Maybe it's like it's seeking Lord, Lord, I just want to know you. He's like, yeah, I'm the forgiving God and I need you too as well. Okay, Lord. This is not going to be easy, but I trust you. You go, yeah, I need to forgive. It's like, whoo, man, there's just a light, that, like a lifting that happens as a result. He's like, man, I just, God, I need to know you. And that cycle continues. It's the pattern of the disciples. They follow Jesus around for three years. And Jesus would send them off on these little missions. Like, here, go, go to this town, and then go to that town. And they would keep coming back, and he was teaching them as they went. But they knew him. They knew him, and, and uh, you know, they did what he commanded them to do. And then, you know, that, that famous verse in Matthew 28, at the end, he's like, go into all the worlds. He didn't just pick 12 guys, like, you know, go to the street corner, like, oh, there's 12 guys doing nothing. Mm, hey, fellas, well, I got, you guys go into all the world and tell them about me. And they're like, we just met you. What's your name? Nah, he's like, like follow me. Live with me. Do life with me for three years. Know me. I want, I want you to know me. And then when he sends them out, they're like itching to go. And he's like, okay, okay, hold on. Go out into all the world, but just wait until I put my spirit in you. Because he's like, I'm not sending you out with my messages. I'm sending you out with my spirit. You need to do like I did. Full of the spirit, go out and minister. Full of the spirit, go out and minister. And we see it happen over and over. You read through, Mac, um, through Acts and you see it one, right away. Chapter 2, they, they first get filled with the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They go out and they start preaching in the streets. And people start coming to Christ. And it's, it's amazing and awesome. And then you read in chapter 3, Peter and John, who just did all this preaching, start walking back to the temple. Where are they going? We're going to go pray. We're going to spend time with him. Lord, we want to know you. And on the way, they see this guy begging for alms. And they're like, we got time? We got time. And they're like, hey, do you have any money? He's like, I, I don't have any money, but how would you like to be healed? And the guy's like, that would be, be all right. He's like, all right, stand up. Let's go. And, and, and he heals them right there. And then they begin, it's like, where, where are you guys going? We're going to the temple. All right. And they go on these walking, leaping, praising God. God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. And then, and then they get arrested for doing it. And they get brought in front of everybody. And they're like, hey, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. It's Acts chapter 4. And they're like, okay, but he said we should. You guys say we shouldn't. We're a little torn inside. It's a little bit like, okay, what do we do? God, and they go and they go have a prayer meeting. They call their brothers. It's like, Lord, would you fill us with boldness? We need to know. Did you just remind us again of who you are? And he grabs the whole building. <laughs> and he shakes the whole building. It's like, guys, know I'm here? Yeah, 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 for sure. And they, they run out and they preach the word boldness. Why? It says they're filled with the spirit again. The cycle happens over and over. And it wasn't meant to stop with them. Today, that's our challenge as well. Matthew 28 is for us. Put it on the screen. Read it as if he's speaking it to you, to me this morning. Jesus came and told his disciples. Any of them here today? Now you're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> dangerous prayers. Any dangerous disciples here today? Oh, okay. There we go. The men are in. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is who I am. I've been given all authority in heaven on an earth. So therefore go. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. Go 
Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. Be, not just be disciples, make disciples. And you're like, yeah, I've heard that before. How are you doing with that? Because it doesn't do us any good to say, oh, yeah, I kind of know, but I haven't done anything. And let me sort of wrap this up with these, these thoughts. We can see the cycle, but we're not sure if we're on it. We can see the pattern. We're like, yeah, I see how that's all throughout Scripture, but is that the, is that the pattern of my life? And I think there's some hindrances to it. And here's the couple I just want to share with you. And just to ask yourself, are these, are these the things that are hindering me? Versus this. One of the hindrances to walking and living in that cycle is this. You're asking only one of the questions. You're asking only one of the questions. People, some people will simply ask, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? That's their question. And what do these people do? They study the scriptures. They're like, I'm going to go to 15 Bible studies. I'll memorize the whole book of Ephesians. I'm going to like, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. I, and it's just like, in the word, in the word, in the word, in the word. And they never do anything with it. They, they've never shared it with, you know, with a neighbor. They've never shared it with a, f- a family member. They, they've never shared it in Sunday school. Never shared it anywhere. It's just like, got to know, got to know, got to know. Just need a little bit more. Just a little bit. Who are you, Lord? Let me know a little bit more about you. That ends up, you know, being in a spot where people find themselves lethargic in their faith. Others, they ask only the other question. This one I hear more often. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And what happens is you try and be a good rule follower. I'll try and keep the Ten Commandments. I'll try and, you know, I'll kick that, kick that addiction. You know, I'll go to church a little more often. And, but there's no, you know, there's rule following without knowing Him. You know what happens with that? Guess, guess who those people were in Scripture? Call them Pharisees and, and religious leaders. The people who are like burnt out on religion because they're trying so hard to do, do, do. And maybe you should hear that. You're like, yeah, but there's just like this tension between time spent just knowing God and then time out just obeying, doing what God desires and then back for some more time with God to know and then back to time doing. You're like, that's going to take my whole life. <laughs> exactly. Lord, I give you my life. Well, not, not really. I'll give you my Sunday mornings. I'll, uh, I'll, hear, I'll, I'll listen to somebody talk for a few minutes as long as they're not boring. He's like, man, like, I gave my life because I want your life. And when I get that, you'll experience life. Like, you don't need the bread. You need the bread of life. And I don't know how many times Christians are just living in this like... <laughs> It's like Christianity's awesome. Anybody else want some of this? <laughs> For real. How many people at your work even know you're a believer? Okay, step in. I know. We'll move on. But there's hindrances, right? Part of it, I think, is asking only one question. Here's a second hindrance. I think people wait until they know enough. Like, yeah, Mark, it's good for you. You get paid to study the word and talk about it. You get all this time. I, I don't quite know enough yet. I don't know enough to share. I'm not going to be able to answer all the questions. My question is this. Do you know him? Do you know him? It's about to get really real in a second. To those online, you're going to be glad you were online. Do you know him? Think about that. Have you really given your life to him? Man, what a good question for us to ask. Because this morning, if I just simply said this, I want to go around the room. We're just going to pass the mic. No, no, for real. Think for a second. 
How would I answer this question? How did I get drawn to Christ? How did I become a follower of Jesus? What happened? What happened? Think about it for you for a second. When did that happen? Has he really changed you? You know, I think about it myself. I'm like, I remember being this good little oldest child, Christian, go to church all the time, boy. You know, I wanted to please my parents. I wanted to please, please the Lord. I didn't quite know who he was, but I didn't want to break any of the rules. And man, well, I was pretty good at it. I never drank. I never did drugs. I never smoked. I never kissed a girl. Like I said, I don't know if that was on purpose or not. But I was like, you know, I never did any of these things until I was in my, like, well, like I was, I was 20. And I thought, man, like I'm a pretty good person. You know, there was this time in my life in St. Catharines where this guy named Paul Bernardo, a serial killer, was caught. And it was this lights-on moment for me when I felt the Lord just drop in my heart that Paul Bernardo and myself are on the same level with God as far as our morality goes. I was a sinner. I knew it. And it broke me on the inside. And people have often told me, you weren't on the same level. You don't understand the depravity of sin. But I did that day. And I was like, Jesus, I surrender. I need a Savior. Like, I cannot do this on my own. Lord, if you'll have me, I give you my life. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. Would you lead me? Would you fill me with you? That's my story. How about yours? Anybody feel like you could share it today? I know. Deb could. Who else? Yeah, Shannon could. Well, that's good. Derek could. Yeah. Mel could. You're like, Val. Some of you are like, Brian. It's just rubbing his heart. Man, I'm not going to make you today because I, I understand the terror of speaking in front of people. I, I get that. But here's a thought. What if you're just in a group of five friends? Could you do it? Would you do it? What if it was just you and one other person? Could you do it? Would you do it? What if somebody at work just says, hey, like, I saw your car at some church this weekend. I was driving by. It was a nice day. What were you doing in there? What would you tell them? All about it. <laughs> All about it. But would you? And you're like, ugh, I should have been driving somewhere else. This is, like, heavy. This is... Like, why do I say that? I say it this way. Because if we can't explain how we came to know God, do we really know him? Or are we waiting till we know enough, know a little bit more? The woman at the well, she didn't wait. She was like, I just got to go tell somebody. I don't know it all, but I know I met Jesus. He did something in my life. Somebody needs to know. You know, Paul, as soon as this thing happened, he went into Damascus. This just happened. And he, he goes to the synagogues. And he says, Jesus is the Savior. He changed my life. We see the disciples, so as soon as they went out, they went out into the streets and told people, you know, anybody who would listen, this is who Jesus is. Could you do it? Could you do it? And if not, man, are we not missing something? And I would challenge you, don't wait till you know enough. You just need to know him. And if you don't know him, that's the question you should be asking. Who are you, Lord? Who are you? And then the second thought is this. Don't worry, the baby wasn't in it. For those watching online, a chair just fell. No, it's good. <laughs> Wrapping it up, waiting, people wait till they have it all together. Like, yeah, okay, I know stuff. My life didn't, you know, I got some things I got to still work on here. And we wait till we have it all together. You know, there's a leadership principle that just talks about emptying your cup, just pouring out your cup. And it's the idea of like, if you know something, just pour that out in somebody else's life in whatever way it is. And I would say it in this way too. Whatever you know about him, just pour that out into somebody else's life. 
You don't have to fill their cup. You don't have to tell them everything they need to know about Jesus. You're like, I've learned all the doctrines. I've learned everything. You don't need to have, if you do, great, but you don't need to fill their cup with everything. There'll be lots of other people who can empty their cups. All you do is empty your cup and say, hey, this is what I know about him. And what happens with an empty cup? It's a great thing to say, God, would you fill it up? Would you fill me up with you? You know, just share what you know. That's what good witnesses do. They share what they've seen and what they've heard. If you haven't seen it, you haven't heard it, you shouldn't share anything. But man, if he's done something in your life, man, to, to, to share that. And it's like, well, what do I, where, do I, where do I do that? Wherever you can. Maybe it's Sunday school. Men, why don't you just join Sunday school and say, like, you know what, okay, I'm going I'm to just tell these kids a little bit I know about Jesus. And then, Lord, <laughs> would you fill it up with some more? I need to know some more. Like, I think sometimes about this. If, if all that we have when people ask us about our faith is all we have is those little stories we learned in Sunday school. That's all we got left. It's all we ever talk about. Man, you probably need your cup to be filled. Or if your prayer life is, Lord, bless this food and uh, be with me today. Amen. Man, you need your cup filled. There's so much more. And we don't realize that, but he's, he's drawing like, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And it's not just learning to do, but learning by doing. You know, the disciples were like little apprentices, you know, because I think Jesus got, he was on to something. We often forget knowledge because I know you're going to leave here today. And three minutes after you leave, you'll remember maybe 30 seconds of what I said. It'll either be something funny or something that hit here. I'm hoping it's that one. But we forget knowledge. You know what you don't forget? Experience. You don't. You don't forget when you've done something, you're like, whoa, it changed, it changed my life. You know, I think with, with Kids Church, why not just say, I'll sign up for Kids Church? This is not a clever way to get more volunteers. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, I know that. I've had people who said they, they went and joined Kids Church. They didn't know much, but they were like, you know what, I'm going to go and share what I know. And they said, Mark, like, I've been reading this Jesus Storybook Bible to these kids. I'm sorry to say this, but I'm learning more from that than I learned from you on Sundays. <laughs> for real. I'm like, yes. Yes, what are they doing? They're, they're emptying their cup, and it's, and it's happening. The cycle's beginning to happen. Uh, man, if I'm going to teach kids church, God, I, I need to tell them something. Like, what do I tell them? Lord, teach me about you. And they're like, okay. And the kids are like, what does this mean in the Bible? You're like, I have no idea. What are they doing that week? God, what does this mean? And they're searching the scriptures, and they go back, and they're emptying their cup. Same with the people who are part of the Bible studies. When you're part of the Bible study, maybe just join one and be like, go and study the word. And when you gather as a group, would you talk out loud? I know some of you groups, you get together, and you let the leader do all the talking. Don't do that. You've been studying the word. God, who are you? Get to group. Hey, this is what I learned. It ain't much, but this is what I learned. Man, next week, I'm going to go learn a little bit more. You know, with mentorship, just taking somebody out for coffee, just to chat and encourage one another, or join us with our junior youth. It's not just serving kids, but making disciples and being disciples. Don't wait till you have it all together. You don't need it all together. You just need him. You just need him. Leave with this thought. If the early church had waited until they had it all together, the church would have died in the first century when they died. We read through the Bible and be like, wow, Paul and, and Peter and Mark, Matthew and John and these guys, they must have been like something else. They were something else. Just like each and every one of us. But what did they have? They knew Jesus. Think about this. Peter, after Pentecost and all this amazing stuff happened, we see Peter. He's like so entrenched in his Jewish tradition. He's like, I'm not going to talk to the Gentiles. I'm not going to go to those people. And God's like, okay, hold on a second. What's Peter doing? He's up on the roof. He's praying. And God drops in his heart. He's like, stop calling them those people. I made them clean. You're going to go talk to them. He's like, okay, Lord, I know who you are. I know what you want me to do. How do I do this? 
Oh, there's a knock at the door. Oh, look, it's a Gentile centurion who wants me to come to the house. Lord, what do you want me? You know what I want you to do, Peter. Okay, okay, I'm going to go. And he goes and he shares it with them. And man, this whole, the whole family comes to know Christ as a result. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they, uh, they, they, they can't even get along. They fight so bad, they just have to go separate ways. You know, we look at a guy like Mark, who, who, who uh, he was on a missions trip and halfway through, he just quits. And he goes and sells t-shirts. When life hands you lemons, quit. You know, if the going gets tough, quit. That's Mark's thing. He just quits. And then you got Timothy, Pastor Tim. You know, Paul writes to him and just basically says, Pastor Timid. You know, you're fearful, you're anxiety, you got stomach problems as a result. Like, dude, get your eyes on who Christ is. Don't forget the mission, the calling, and reminds him of this. And you know, the good news of all of it is that the grace of Jesus worked in spite of them not having it all together. We see Peter go to the centurion's home and they come to know Christ. We see Paul and Barnabas who end up finding others and going off and still planting churches and doing all kinds of things as a result. Mark writes the book of Mark. Man, because he had another chance. Second chance. Timothy would persevere and continue as a pastor of Ephesus. We know because there was a second Timothy. There was more letters written to him. What was it? They, They understood. They were on the cycle. And my question for you is this. Are you living on that? Are you asking the questions? God, who are you? And what do you want me to do? God, who are you? What do you want me to do? You know what it looks like? It's like, God, who are you? What do you want me to do? I want you to forgive. And you go and you do that. Or like spending time, Lord, I just want to know you. And through that time, you're like, I want you to text so-and-so. You're like, okay. And you text them and like, ha, huh, I was just going to text you. I really need somebody to talk to. Oh, okay. You know, going, God, I just want to know you. What do you want me to preach about this week? Why don't you talk about holiness? It's Mother's Day. I know. Okay. Man, that's my week. And it's just light. And you get there, and sometimes that little voice inside is like, well, what if they don't like the sermon? Who cares? <laughs> I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because it's what he's put in my heart to do. Lord, is I, I don't, the sermons aren't coming from online somewhere. We're like, sermons.com, I need one. It's Saturday night. <laughs> I'm just serious. Can I tell you, like... There's been times in my life where that was the way. Full disclosure. But now all I do is just sit in a room. Lord, I just want to know you. God, who are you? And he drops things in there. It's like, okay. Lord, let that affect what I do. And man, after Sunday, I'm just like, you ask my family. I'm like, I feel like empty. What do I do? I'm going to go back there. God, who are you? I want to know you. But that's not just for me. That's for us. I would encourage you, start somewhere, ask one of those two questions, and, and you'll see that happens. Are we going to get things wrong? For sure. For sure. But it's another opportunity to just simply point people to Christ. Like, man, I'm not perfect, but he is. I don't have all the answers, but he does. He's got to increase. We've got to decrease. It doesn't matter about us. It's about him. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Last thought. Mirrors, two sides. You know, the coin is two sides. This question is two sides. But with a mirror, sometimes as we look into it, it's an inspection. We're looking in. It's like, okay, God, who are you? It's the inspection. And then the what do you want me to do is the reflection of you turn it around and reflect him to the world. That's what he's desiring for us to do, that we would keep on being filled with his spirit, that we would keep on asking God, who are you? Because we, we need that continuous thing. And I'll promise you this, as you do what he asks you to do, you'll feel that desire to know him more to do what he's called you to do, to know him more. And that is the cycle of discipleship. Are you on it? Are you on it? I would challenge you today, if you said, hey, I wasn't sure, I think maybe I could share my story in a minute. Sit down today and think about it. If somebody, if I have the opportunity to share my story in a minute, 
here's what I'm going to say. Lord, would you fill me with you? Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word today and the truth of it. I know it messes with our hearts sometimes and our minds. Reminds us of where we're really at and where you desire for us to be. Lord, I thank you for your presence and your voice in our hearts. And I know around the room we're, we're all in different places right now. But you're right there. Lord, you know exactly what it is that you desire for us to do. Lord, you know in our lives what it is that you desire to reveal. Lord, we just pray the prayer of David. Would you search me and know me? Know my heart. Lord, see if there's any wicked ways in us. Lord, and lead us in the paths of righteousness and the paths of eternal life. God, we want to be known by you. We want to know you. We want to be obedient to your call to be disciples and make disciples. Lord, may we not soon forget what we've heard today. As we leave this place, may we experience you in a real way that profoundly changes our lives. Just thank you for the truth of that, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hopefully it gives you something to think about. We've got a few questions. You can probably guess what they are. Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? Leave those thoughts with you.